can see why someone might hate being a school bus driver. The early hours, when the weather sours, the abundance of responsibility combined with the absence of eyes in the back of your head. Y'all have a good day! Nevertheless, Curtis Jenkins loves delivering these little ones to Lake Highlands Elementary in Dallas, Texas. Yes. Emily Grunninger is the principal. He goes way beyond the outline responsibilities and duties of a bus driver. I mean, that bus is like a family. These are my children. These are my community. I love them all. To establish community, What's your job, man? he starts by giving everyone responsibility. This is one of the police officers. It's an elaborate flowchart. She's an administrative assistant to she's the president. She's an administrative assistant to yeah, the president. Yeah. Everyone working together to build a yellow bus utopia. And we're going to care about each other and we're going to love everybody, right? I put time, effort, love, care, understanding, understanding each and every one of those kids. Omar. To show his love and understanding, hey, Chief. Curtis gives presents throughout the year. You say you like baseball. Each gift personally selected with that child in mind. Hey. He gave this girl a t-shirt. Her first book. With a picture from a book she made. I'm hoping this t-shirt inspire her to keep on writing books. Over the years, he has bought these kids bikes, backpacks, handed out cards on birthdays, and even turkeys at Thanksgiving. He has spent thousands out of his own pocket. And yet, if you ask the kids what they like most about Curtis, the gifts don't even come up. He really cares about us. Is really kind, and he helps anyone in need. Ethan Engel is a fifth grader. It means a lot to you. Yeah. He says the bus ride is often the best part of his day. My mom got divorced when I was only four. I'll see you tomorrow. He's the father that I always wanted. In some ways, I just, I wish my dad could have been like that. We make the mistake sometimes of thinking certain jobs are more important than others. I know. But Curtis Jenkins made his job important. Right, and in doing so, he even created his own salary. That's the paycheck right there. If I can get that, you can keep the money. <laughs> Steve Hartman, on the road, in Dallas. Right? Oh my goodness. That's a, that's a getter. That one will get you right there watching that little boy talk about the father that he wish he had right there in that video. And um, Man, I have to say there couldn't be a better illustration. That just came out, right? That, that, that news article illustrates really the transition from the last series where we were talking about being watchful for opportunities in the community to make a difference, and uh, people just saying, watch me, and what will it take to impact their life? That's a very perfect illustration of how you're on mission, no matter what your job is in the community, to make a difference in people's lives. And this series, where we talk about the need to make an impact and ultimately be the father this world needs, Oftentimes around us, people just crying out uh, for fathers, and, and we have a heavenly father. Listen to this passage, Psalm 68, 5 through 6. It says this, Father to the fatherless, speaking of God, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy, but he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. 
I look at this Father God, and I look at the heart of a father. And my interpretation of a father and what I perceive may be very different than what your perception is when you hear the word father. It's an interesting thing. What do you see? What do you, what do you see when you hear Father God? What's coming to your mind? Is it a ruler? Is it an authoritarian, you know? Is it somebody waiting to discipline you? Maybe you don't want to bother because God's just too busy. And how could he really be concerned about your needs? I look at that and go, wow, what a, what a convicting reality that, that God is more like the driver on that bus. Just wanting to love each of us in our own unique necessity and way. Making a personal difference every day. Your perception of God impacts your reception of his direction over your life. You're going to read the Bible differently depending on how you perceive God. You're going to read commands differently if they're coming at you like, ah, or if they're coming at you gently with a smile and a chuckle, right? And, and so it matters what comes to mind when you think about God. So if you see him as this critical, waiting to judge, ready to catch you type of ruler, there's going to be an issue. Call it grumpy God, right? If grumpy God's up there just watching over you and, and he's not watching over you to protect you, he, he wants to, to just wait for an opportunity to scold you, you're going to respond differently to the things you read in the Bible. If you maybe uh, you may serve but you're going to do it out of, I, I better serve because I'm going to have to show up to one of those set up and tear down meetups or God, grumpy God's going to be mad at me, right? So I better show up so grumpy God doesn't come after me. I've seen it when he comes after people and I don't want to be next, right? Uh, maybe, maybe you'll give. You're like, I know I don't like to give, but I'm going to give reluctantly because I don't want to show up on the radar grumpy God. By the way, he says he doesn't want compulsive donors. He loves a cheerful giver. And so, grumpy God, mm, maybe not that accurate of an image, right? We don't go to him. We don't go to grumpy God when we have a need or we mess up. Because we think grumpy God's just going to say, I told you so. Now you're going to get what you deserve, right? That's not, that's not Father that's not our heavenly father we read about in the passages we're going to open up today. What about grandpa God? Grandpa God is an interesting version, maybe a little slow. We think maybe hard of hearing, right? I thought I told you, God. Are you not hearing me? Do I need to pray louder? You know, grandpa God maybe... Maybe he's really far away and you don't get to see him much or talk to him much. Maybe you only visit Grandpa God twice a year. Or maybe not even that. And therefore, think about this. We have some relatives like this. We don't see as often. And when the kids see him, there's a little hesitancy. It's a little awkward. Grandpa God. I don't know what your image of God is. Um, he cares. Grandpa God cares. 
but he's just so far away, you just don't really know if he's in tune with your life. I mean, just depending on how you perceive God will make a massive impact on how you interpret. So how do you see God? How do you see him? And, and I hope during the course of this series, we can get a really clear, accurate image of God that's based on Scripture and not what we're projecting as God. He wants to be seen as a father. Our big idea today is God is our father. God is our father. Right? He's our father. Ephesians 1 says this, verse 3. I've never seen any of those movies. Should I not admit that? So I'm not a Star Wars guy. Uh, But I have probably seen all the Barbies. Wait, yeah, I do have three girls. Okay, moving on. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Man, he chose us. Like, we didn't earn this. We can't be a good enough kid, right? He, like, picked us out. God, by his very nature, wants and it feels joy in having us be his children. That's crazy. Like, we don't have to do anything to earn it. Um, in fact, he's this image of, if you could create a perfect image of a dad, you know, you heard that little young man, that I just get messed up whenever I watch that, say, I wish he was my dad, you know, and he's what I ever wanted a dad to be. Have you ever really sat back and had one of those moments, I just wish my dad was like this? And, and hopefully you haven't had to, but a lot of people have had to have that kind of moment where we're thinking, If only, if only. And depending on your growing up experience, you could very well have some voids, some big holes left in your life that kind of look like the absence of a father. If you're not careful, you'll you'll project the negatives kind of that you grasp from a father figure in your life. And you'll project those on God, and he'll be that type of a father in your life. If your father was abusive, man, God's just angry and abusive. And if your father was distant and didn't respond to you, or it was like talking to a wall, God's like talking to a wall, and really just kind of, you'll read scripture as kind of a power play instead of a loving insight into his character. It's really intriguing to me. He's made this plan to be our father by sending his son, Jesus, so that we, through faith in Jesus, are adopted into this family called the kingdom of heaven. And 
This love is just right there for us to grab. It's always pursuing us. God will go to any lengths to love us. And the reality that he sent his son in order to adopt us, that's quite the adoption price. It's astonishing. And he finds here, or we find in the text here that that's called glorious grace. And that that, in turn, that action of sending his son gave him great pleasure. He, he found pleasure in adopting you and me into his family. And that doesn't sound to me like a heartless ruler looking to punish. That doesn't sound to me like an irrational dad who's had a bad day and is going to take it out on you, whatever it is, right? That doesn't sound like a dad who says he loves you today and then tells you to your face that you're nothing the next day. That doesn't sound like the dad that's out of touch father, that has no clue. And we look at this and we go, Psalm 46.1 says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Like, we've got this father who is just always here ready to serve and help and very different than out-of-touch God. It's a pleasurable God who wants to love us. So here's three thoughts that really jump out that I think we need to grasp today before building on them in the next couple weeks. And the first thought is he's a father to the fatherless. And boy, that video was like the perfect illustration of that, right? That young boy. Why does God emphasize that he's so much for the fatherless in Scripture? Could it be that he foresaw this generation? where statistically one out of every three people does not have a father figure. Literally not a present father. The stats are kind of crazy. I did some, some reading and research on this. The effects of growing up without a dad. Uh, they're numerous, well-studied, you know, more likely to be aggressive, more likely to be depressed, more likely to have low self-esteem. Girls are twice as likely to experience obesity or four times more likely to get pregnant as a teenager than if they had a father figure present. Uh, more likely to do poorly in school. In fact, children growing up in a household where the father is absent are 71, uh, account for 71% of all high school dropouts. More likely to be incarcerated and to commit suicide. More likely to use drugs. And according to the U.S. Department of Justice, one in three children are without a father in their home in America. At least one in three Americans are dealing with fatherlessness. In fact, more than that, when you consider those who have a father, but the father's just not engaged. Some have said fatherlessness leaves a hole in your heart that's in the shape of a father. So God understands these statistics. And as Jaden even prayed earlier, God is our healer. God can heal the actual physical damage fatherlessness does to the body, the brain, the psyche. And through Jesus... God has not only adopted us into a family, 
But he takes all those stats and erases them and says, no, you have family. I am going to place the lonely in families. I am your father. And then he places father figures in these people's lives. You may not get this thing called a father from where you thought you should get it. Isn't that interesting to think? Like, oh, well, the plan is mom and dad get married and have a baby. I'm the, I grow up. I have a mom and dad. This pic- perfect picture of how it's supposed to work. Life is messier than that. So that father figure might come from a bus driver or a coach or a pastor or a volunteer or a coworker. See, fathering is all about relationship, and a healthy father has a good relationship with their children. And, and so you might think this thing that's going on in, in your workplace and, and helping this person out is, is just a, a, relation, a work relationship, but that person may be looking for a father figure. Building a relationship, avoid the, this father-shaped hole that's in their heart. And you go, oh, man, Lord, you're making a difference through me. This is kind of a cool thing. Instead of being mad at God for putting you in a position where you have father, fatherlessness issues, I guess, or what you could say, and you're just mad that the way you have a lack of a father, maybe we look at our life and go, oh, so... Now I can, turn, I can turn this around and I can actually run to the one that's my heavenly father. Instead of being mad at him, he's actually the one that can provide the solution for my fatherlessness. And we turn to God and we love him. And I guess, you know, so ultimately, men, it's a big challenge to you to be someone that could be a father figure to those around you. Man, consider it, man, the the biggest accountability you could ever have to be a father figure to someone around you. They're watching you. They might not be telling you, I'm looking to you as a father in my life because I don't have one. But no, one in three people around you are longing for that. Will you step into that mission God has provided for us? Because he's going to call us, men, into other men's lives, into kids' lives, into teens' lives, to be the father they don't have because he's all about placing the lonely in families. And just because you get a job as a bus driver, don't think for a moment he's not going to use you as that father figure. Don't dismiss where you're at. Well, I guess because of what I do. He can use you wherever you are to be that father figure. That bus driver got it. And I think it's a powerful illustration to us grab hold of and never forget. God's the only one that can replace this father need in our life. Thought two, he's our defender. God is our defender. Did you catch that in the psalm? 
passage we opened with that he said he's father to the fatherless, defender of widows. And so here's this widow raising this family and they're in need of a father. Who's the defender? God. God is the defender. Maybe defined elsewhere as helper. Psalm 54, 4 says, but God is my helper. The Lord keeps me alive. Psalm 121, it's a song of ascent. says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from, the, come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm, watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both now and forever. And even those with amazing fathers need to understand the power of having God protecting and watching over us in our defense in all we face. Sometimes we feel like, man, who's going to come to my rescue? Our Father in heaven. Last weekend, we went to the Puyallup Market uh, it was just Dana and myself and our littles, is what we call them, the two youngest kids we have. And uh, the littles, my son, eight years old, thinks all year round appropriate attire is what? Shorts and a t-shirt, my goodness. And some socks that probably already by this time of day smell like they're from another planet. It's just the reality and we're trying everything. Anyway, so, uh, so the, the kids workers, Lord bless them. They have them take their shoes off to jump in the inflatable. What? Anyway, okay, so uh, Preston shows up to the farmer's market. And yeah, okay, good parents would have checked to make sure they had coats. Anyway, uh, we get out of the car in Puyallup, and we're walking a couple blocks, because that's what you do to get to the farmer's market. It's busy. And uh, he's got a T-shirt and shorts on, and it's like that misty stuff, and with a prediction of rain, not until two, which means any time, and it was the morning. So uh, we, were, we were just like, all of a sudden, he was like, oh, it's cold out here. Yeah, where's a hoodie or like a coat or something? I didn't bring it. I didn't realize it was so cold. So we're walking through the first little bit, and he's, Ugh. and it, not long, he's like, attached, right? He's just like leaning right up against, and he's trying to get any warmth he can. He didn't ever ask, Dad, could I have your hoodie? I do have a little more insulation than him. So I, at that point, was feeling like Father should have made sure he had something warm to wear. The guilt kicked in, and I was like, dude, you want to wear my hoodie? And he was like, yes. So although he looked like Fifel, for anybody, if you remember that movie, you know, he's got these arms dragging against the ground, and I put the hoodie on him, and... My hoodie will never be clean again. It's got food stains on it. Anyway, so, uh, but I wrapped him up to keep him warm, and, and uh, that's kind of what a father does. That's what our Heavenly Father does. When we're in a moment where we just are unsure, we can lean in on our Heavenly Father. In fact, 
He knows what we need before we know we need it. And all of a sudden we feel the warmth of that hoodie come over our situation. And our defender steps in. And he comes and he watches over us. Like that image of the shade that he provides. We, we get this wing, this covering over us when we're in relationship with God, our protector. I think it's a powerful image that we have a father that would defend us. And I don't know if you did this, and given the fact that one out of every three people don't have a father, maybe it's not a thing anymore. But I remember getting in father battles. Oh, yeah, well, my daddy could waste your daddy, you know, and you'd start like daddy fighting when you were kids, and you're, you're just like, it was a thing we did on the playground, we're like, my daddy could totally beat your daddy, oh yeah, my daddy's shorter than your daddy, and you thought it was a good thing to be short, you know, whatever, tall, oh yeah, my daddy could sit on your daddy, <laughs> that's what my son would say, but anyway, so the, you know, it's like things that you'd get in these daddy battles, you think your dad can do anything, my daddy can fly, my daddy can fly too. You just make things up, but you're having a daddy battle. Reality is, we, nobody can compare to our daddy when we're in relationship with God. All-powerful, everywhere, every issue he can solve. And we can come to him freely. My daddy loves, but he could also crush your daddy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, don't mess with my daddy. This would be a bad daddy to lie to. Don't lie to my daddy. You know, it's kind of funny what people think. Romans 12, 19 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. How good are we at that? Like, just stepping back and going, I really want to take revenge here. I really want to deal with this and show them who's boss, but I'm going to step back and dad, I'm going to allow you to take care of this. That's what God's asking us to do because he's watching over us. He's ready to help. He's not going to let us go without his protection. He's actually going to be the one to orchestrate the right outcome. We have a heavenly father who will come and defend you and, and be your help and out, outperform the best of any father figure we've ever seen. But, interesting enough, thought three, he is also a gentle father. You know, when you say, he's my defender, you're kind of envisioning him coming in and swooping and rescuing and being the toughest, right? But in reality, to us, he's incredibly gentle. While God comes in with a strong arm in situations, it also says in Psalm 103, 13, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate. To those who fear him. Well, wait, so he's a defender and he's gonna like crush my enemies, but yet he's he's tender and compassionate? Yeah. Yeah, and he challenges us kind of to be the same, right? Our father has this 
gentle side, and, and especially for his children. And he challenges us to be gentle as he is gentle and challenges us to follow his example in passages like Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but a harsh word makes tempers flare. Jesus shared this very fact about his character. And when you think about Jesus, the Son of God, in the image of his Father, right? God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is all one. They're all one. We believe in the Trinity. This is God. And in the image of God, what did Jesus say about himself? He says this, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. See, that heart of a gentle father we're challenged to walk in. Burden light, lifted, gentle. One of the realities in a world where a third of the kids have no father, there's another third whose fathers are checked out and they're experiencing father issues because of a present but not active father. We have the opportunity to demonstrate a gentleness maybe they've never seen. To hear gentle words. To hear words. In fact, there's so many people trying to hear these words from their father. I love you. I believe in you. You can do it. I'm proud of you. I forgive you. These are some powerful words, but they're gentle at heart. And unless we go after gentleness, and not just the toughness, not just the provider, but a gentle heart too. I think that's why I cry at every golden buzzer on America's Got Talent. Can I just say that? I was like, why? These tears falling faster than the golden flakes on this crazy reality show. You know, it's just like, why am I doing this? I, thank you, God, for a gentle heart. Thank you, God. Galatians 5, through 23 says, the Holy Spirit produces. Okay. So here I am giving my life to Jesus. And instantly, at the age of 21, when I made a decision to follow Jesus, I have the Holy Spirit in me. I become this temple of the Holy Spirit because of my profession of faith in Jesus. That's what happens when you make a decision to give your life to God. So I made that decision at the age of 21, and the Holy Spirit comes into my life. That's what happens to every believer. And then this starts to happen. Things start to produce. God-likeness starts to happen in us, right? The Holy Spirit, it says, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. There's no law against these things. Gentleness. So Preston, going back to Preston, my eight-year-old, 
We go out in the public, hang out. People are always saying, dude, he looks just like you. I think it's because we use the same kind of gel. It's definitely not our build. Anyway, so he, uh, he's a skinny little bugger. And, uh, you know, you kind of look at, you kind of look at that and go, oh, yeah, he's your, I'll just say, yep, he's my mini-me. You know, we, we look alike. And they'll just go, wow, yeah, spitting image, spitting image of your father. Well, God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, just like our Heavenly Father. And the goal is ultimately that when we're living life with others in our neighborhood, our work, school, wherever life leads you, that people would go, you're the spitting image of your Father. Your Heavenly Father. Man, the way you just were patient with that person, that's awesome. When we were challenging people that have eyes that see a couple weeks ago, and Lori, can I talk about you publicly? I just did, so... I'll ask forgiveness now. But anyway, uh, the, we get an email from Lori as she was exiting a restaurant. She sees someone she thinks is in need and, and is, is going to go to the car, but has that moment of, I should make sure everything's okay there. Turns around, asks if everything's okay, and it is. But she listened to that heart of her heavenly father that would say, this person needs kindness and goodness, and that began to flow out of Lori. And on her way back to her car, another couple approached her, kind of like God's little blessing to say thank you for what you just did. They were like, is that gal okay? And she expressed what she was just told, and they thanked Lori for approaching her and finding out if she was okay. They didn't have the father likeness to accomplish it, but she had just been at church. And came a little more Christ-like, a little more like the Father in her behavior at lunch that day. That's what God wants to create in us so that people can look us in the eye and go, man, you look a lot like your Heavenly Father. Spitting image. And it's not the gel. It's his heart. It's that Father heart for the world around us. So how do you see God? How should we see God? Our thought or our action point ultimately for the series but today is that we would know God as the Father He is. That we would know God as the Father He is and not the Father we're projecting. Not the Father maybe we've grown up or experienced the lack of. But He's the Father we can read about the promises of in Scripture, and they're being fulfilled in us and through us. Do you need to change your image of God? Then let the Holy Spirit get in you and start to reshape it. Because God's full of love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. He's not the angry God, 
nor see the grandpa God or whatever image you've projected. He's the father to the fatherless, the defender, the gentle father. Your perception of God impacts your reception of his direction. So I pray that our perceptions would be aligned with his word, that we would know God as father. Can I pray that over you, Lord? I thank you for what you're doing in and through us. I thank you that you've given us the Bible, these scriptures that we can read and, and be challenged of your reality in our life now and our incredible family in heaven that we'll experience in eternity. I pray for every person here today, Lord. I pray right now that there would be individuals in this room that realize their perception of you has been off and they would open up their hearts to your Holy Spirit. They would open up their hearts to be able to understand you as the father you are, not as the father that maybe they've projected inaccurately upon you. I pray that God, those in the room today that have yet to make a decision to follow you, to invite you into their life to be their Lord, to really access that adoption of the Father and be able to invite the Holy Spirit into their life to begin to make these fruits come to life. I pray, Lord, right now that some here today would choose to follow you as Lord and Savior. God, you would begin a new chapter in their life and they'd begin to experience the fullness of what it is to be in relationship with you. I give you thanks what you're stirring in each of us. Let us respond to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Worship team is going to sing, and as they do, I want you to reflect on your challenge. Like, what's your perception? How do you see God? And then Jaden will come and close us in just a moment.